Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> we launched a crowdfunding campaign to release another issue of our post-apocalyptic luchador comic book, El Marvo. Unfortunately, we timed it just right as COVID hit the world and kind of broke everything. Well, we're getting the band back together and we put the campaign up again. So if you'd like to help support and read another issue of El Marvo, and even issue one of El Marvo, you can back the campaign by heading over to theotherstories.net forward slash El Marvo, spelled E-L-M-A-R-V-O, for more information. Today's episode is A Skeleton Reads Shakespeare, written by Tyler James and narrated by Justin Fife. The skeleton sat beneath a towering black maple tree, reading a volume of Shakespeare. If he enjoyed what he was reading, he made no sign of it, for he had no eyebrows with which to raise in surprise or lower in consternation. He had no lips to smile or frown with, and he had no voice to mutter praise, condemnation, or indifference. All the same, the skeleton flipped the yellow pages of the leather-bound book, resting his skull in the cradle of his bony right hand. The wind whipped the large purple leaves of the tree. They rustled above his head. One on occasion would fall and land on the open book. He tossed the leaf aside and continued reading. The sun began to set, painting the sky tangerines and crimsons. The skeleton, at last, stood and stretched, 
then walked into the two-story white colonial that was his home. He shared the home with a family of three, and when he came through the front door, a man cursed the wind and shut it behind him. The man's name was Rodney. The skeleton had a name too, although no one knew him by it. The skeleton's name was Arnold P. Harrison, retired English professor from Madison University, author of several novels, none of them popular, and a widower. His wife had died 30 years ago, and he himself a mere 15. Loretta had always been the lucky one in their marriage, for she had died long before him and had not been condemned to an afterlife as an invisible skeleton. He envied her for this greatly, even though he knew being envious for a person who no longer existed was quite foolish. Rodney ran his fingers through his daughter's short-cropped brunette hair and kissed her forehead. Elizabeth pumped her legs at the table with glee until her father said, I see you're excited, darling, but let's not kick at the table, yeah? Yeah, agreed Liz, ceasing her kicking. Aw, thought the skeleton, such a good little girl. Miranda brought over shepherd's pie in a large glass dish and set it at the center of the table. The family performed their evening ritual, wherein mom, dad, and daughter took turns talking about their day. The skeleton leaned against the refrigerator, listening to the family recount their stories as he always did. They talked of such wonderful, ordinary things. Rodney would recount his day at the office, sending faxes and chatting with co-workers, occasionally venting his frustration with his arrogant boss, Pritchard the Prick, he called him, to his wife's distaste. Not in front of Lizzie, she would say. Liz always talked about how her day went at Hillside Elementary. She would go on and on in the most adorable fashion, recounting playground adventures and retelling puns she had heard from her delightful teacher, Miss Weber. Sometimes, Liz would try to include the skeleton into their conversation. She'd point at him and say, Skelly, how was your day? And her parents would giggle at the cute banter she'd put on with her imaginary friend. Miranda recounted her adventures at the local cinema, where she worked behind the counter as the popcorn and refreshments girl. She talked about the films playing and which ones she wanted to see. Rodney would take mental notes on the films and hire a babysitter every Saturday night so they could go out for dinner and see the film. Soon, dinner was over. Rodney did the dishes and Miranda read a book on the couch while Liz watched TV. The skeleton went out on the front porch, making sure to firmly shut the door behind him. Rodney, hands wet with dish soap, opened the door and looked out on the porch to the left, then the right, his brows furrowed. Then he shook his head, muttered something, and went back inside. The skeleton stood at the railing, listening to the wind blow through his ribs. The last of the sun dipped down beneath the tall, grassy hillocks, and he thought about Shakespeare and his dead wife. And had he the voice box to speak, and the palate and tongue and lips to mouth the words, he would have said, To be or not to be is not the question, for what am I, and why am I? Those are the only questions I'm interested in. He stood there on the porch, pondering for an hour. 
It was chilly that night. The wind blew and rattled the leaves on the old black maple and shook the hedgerows beside the drive. At last, the stars above shone bright and cold. He went inside intent on laying his bones down to rest. He felt weary, tired, older than old. First, he entered Liz's room where she lay cuddled with Bubba, her teddy bear. He leaned over and ever so lightly touched the top of her forehead with the side of his jaw. It was the closest he could get to giving a kiss. Then he pulled the blanket higher up to cover her shoulders and left the room. He entered the master bedroom on the second floor. It was the same bedroom he'd shared with his wife for 46 blessed years. Now, of course, it was Miranda and Rodney's bedroom. As usual for that time of night, they were making love. The skeleton watched and felt joy at the sight of two human beings still very much covered with flesh, embracing and loving one another by the most intimate means. Miranda threw her head back and moaned with pleasure. Rodney arched and grunted. Then they kissed and lay side by side in the dark, with only the stars and the moon to shed pale light through the window upon their naked bodies. The skeleton felt love for the two and wished them the best, with a hope that their afterlives would be nothing like his own. Beneath the well-wishing, however, was a current of jealousy. The lovemaking had aroused him, yet he had no means to alleviate his needs. No boner to take care of when all you are is bones, he thought. Inside his skull, he heard the echoes of his own bitter laughter. His laughter, because it could not be vocalized, had become a distant memory. The skeleton laid himself down in the walk-in closet and stared up at the shirts, pants, and dresses on the hangers. He studied how the clothes swayed in the light breeze, blowing through the bedroom window, then slept. The years went by. Miranda and Rodney brought up their daughter Elizabeth in a loving and wholesome home. It wasn't long before Liz went off to the University of Madison with the dream of becoming a veterinarian. Miram and Rodney stayed until wrinkles formed on their faces and their statue grew shorter and their hair turned silvery gray. Then they sold the house and moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The skeleton was lonely and hadn't much to do in the empty house. He would have occupied his time reading Shakespeare had Miranda not taken the volume with her to Florida. He did not blame her for this. It was her book, after all. He contented himself with pacing the empty hallways and staring out the windows. Sometimes, a child would stop pedaling his or her bike on the street, catching him standing at the window. They would stare up at him, mouths agape, eyes wide in horror. The skeleton would wave, attempting friendliness, the children either screamed or remained frozen in fear for half a minute before riding home with all their little hair standing on end and goosebumps covering their flesh. Goosebumps, thought the skeleton. If ever I felt goosebumps again, I would count myself lucky. One day, a family of five moved in. The skeleton was delighted, but when they moved out a mere seven months later, he became terribly depressed. It went on like that, families moving in, then moving out again. 
always in less than five years' time. They did not want to stay for as many years as he and Loretta had stayed, nor for as many years as Miranda, Rodney, and Liz. It was never long before the house was bare and vacant. It was spring. It was summer. It was autumn. It was winter, then spring again. The house remained empty, and the skeleton remained alone. One day, a lady in a white cotton dress with printed flowers at the hem approached the porch and placed a no trespassing sign on the front door. Then she went away. The trespassing sign served as an invitation for teenagers to gather inside the house around midnight. The kids necked and smoked marijuana. Sometimes they fooled around with an Ouija board. The skeleton watched from the dark, dusty corners as the youth sat Indian-style on the floor, drinking beer and laughing in the candlelight. He chuckled to himself, enjoying the carefree exuberance of youth. I was a young man once, thought the skeleton. Ah, what I wouldn't give to be young again, to be alive and covered with flesh and beneath the flesh a beating heart and a stomach, what I wouldn't give to digest a meal, to enjoy a glass of wine, to make love, to talk, to do any ordinary thing at all. Alas, the skeleton was condemned to wistful dreams and no more. As the years passed, the house became increasingly ramshackle and destitute. The floors warped, then dried out, and creaked terribly. The walls yellowed, the paint inside and out flaked and chipped. Many windows had been broken, and the wind blew through the house, swaying the cobwebs and whistling in between his bones. One day, a great number of men dressed in yellow arrived at the old decrepit house. The house itself was now a mere skeleton of the warm, comfortable home it had been for so many families throughout the years. The men drove immense machines with great steel jaws. One of these machines contained a tall crane attached to a chain which carried a gargantuan iron ball. The ball swung on the chain like a terrible destructive pendulum and smashed the house into tiny pieces. The skeleton, too, was smashed into pieces. His arm went this way and his leg went that way. His head rolled off the neck and buried under an avalanche of musty floorboards. The floorboards were colonized by termites. The termites crawled eagerly inside the skeleton's cracked skull. He cursed their tiny, tickling legs. After a day or two, the rubble was cleared away. To the skeleton's displeasure, the working men mistook him for rubble as well crushed what remained of him in a metal compactor, then dumped him into a landfill. The skeleton was no longer a skeleton. His consciousness hung in pitch darkness, seeing nothing, hearing nothing, thinking only of cobweb memories of life and death and how nice it had been comparatively to have once been a skeleton. Bored, he began thinking of Shakespeare and philosophized. To be or not to be? What a useless question, he thought. The couplet means nothing to me. 
for it poses a question only a mortal can answer. All that I'm able to behold is this terrible, wretched prison of this immortality. For a mortal man, whether he chooses to be or not to be, remains a choice of great blessing. Life and death, are they not the ultimate freedoms? And with that, by the grace of the universe, the skeleton's consciousness blinked out of existence, and the landfill was darkest, quietest, gone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. A Skeleton Reads Shakespeare was written by Tyler James, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Alex Mason and Tom Robson. The sound effects provided by freesound.org and zapsplat.com. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Tyler James is a dark fiction writer living in the American Midwest, as well as a proud member of the Horror Writers Association. His debut short stories collection, Daydreams of the Damned, Tales of Horror and Oddity, is available for purchase in paperback and Kindle on Amazon. You can connect with Tyler through Facebook or by visiting his website, tylerjames.com, and that's Tyler spelled T-Y-L-O-R. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time.